0: Listening to the Positive Professional. With me, Tracy Avon. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 34. And today I'm going to talk about compassion fatigue. So, a saying by William John Bennett goes: a kind and compassionate act is often its reward. Compassion is one of the most beautiful and rewarding attributes any human can practice. It helps us to create a connection with the next person. One that is genuine, worthy and full of kindness. The act of being compassionate is an intentional process that can take a toll on a person who finds themselves in situations where they constantly have to give love, kindness and compassion to people around them. True compassion as described by Daniel Goleman means not only feeling another's pain but also being moved to help reveal it. So look around, everyone loves people who are generally kind and compassionate and it's always an honor to have such special persons in our lives or don't you i'm sure you do and this is why these rare beings must be alert to not fall into the trap of compassion fatigue as they go about their daily lives it often goes that the higher the reward of anything in life the higher the risk On one hand, being a caregiver comes with having a big heart to touch the lives of their recipients positively and make a difference in the world at large. On the other hand, the act of continuously giving love and compassion, sharing joy, and having a strong desire to take away pain of the next person can become overbearing and ultimately lead to compassion fatigue. Now to the question of what is compassion fatigue? Compassion fatigue is a term used to describe the physical, emotional, mental, and psychological effects that come from helping others, especially those who are traumatized or suffering from any significant emotional damage. It often comes from accumulated stress or trauma resulting from being overwhelmed by feelings, pain, and traumatic experiences of others. Lending a helping hand to a person who needs it means being empathetic and giving a piece of ourselves to be the next person for them to feel better. Sadly, if not careful, this could have its side effects. Now have you ever imagined how it feels for psychologists, therapists, nurses, first responders, medical professionals, legal professionals, workers of orphanages, homeless shelters, social workers, or anyone who is constantly in a position of giving help. These individuals working in helping or healing capacity have to stretch their hands always, and by doing so, they are at risk of growing numb to their patients' suffering and developing compassion fatigue. This is accompanied by a feeling of extreme tiredness, frustration, and desperation to get off the task and just inhale for some fresh air. The excessive preoccupation and intense tension that providing care for traumatic victims expose caregivers to can create a negative emotional strain leading to uncomfortable feeling, which is called compassion fatigue. At this point, caregivers are often in a situation where they feel like they can't take it anymore I need a break from the mental strain. So let's digress for a bit. But trust me, it'll be worth it, and you'll see why we needed the digression very soon. Have you ever heard of the term vicarious trauma or secondary trauma? And I'll let you know what it is. Now is there any time in your life when hearing or listening to someone else's story affected you in any way possible? And by stories, I mean sad, degrading, or traumatic experiences of others that are being narrated to you. Now, the closest example to my mind right now is movies. And if you're a movie person, you must have watched a very touching or emotional movie that will leave you crying, sad, or mentally affected. While it stops at that for some people, It goes further to affect others in their daily lives, especially if they watch these kinds of movies often or they come across similar experiences in their lives. And this is just a closely related instance. But conceptually, while secondary trauma deals generally with the emotional stress that arises from the exposure of a person to firsthand traumatic experiences of another, Vicarious trauma deals basically with the same thing, but in a work environment. And just like I mentioned earlier, you could be affected by the experiences of your family members, friends, neighbors, and people close to you. This is also achieved through movies or books that you find emotional and leave a mark on you. When it comes to vicarious trauma, it's a work-related or occupational-related trauma and exposure for people working or volunteering in healing or helping situations. Vicarious trauma can be experienced from situations such as listening to patients, victims, or clients as they narrate their experiences, watching videos of traumatic events, hearing or responding to the aftermath of a violent or traumatic experiences, and other work-related experiences. This repeated exposure to traumatic experiences of others at workplaces can lead to a situation where the worker starts to mirror the psychological behaviors shown on the victims. Secondary trauma is often characterized by the development of post-traumatic stress disorder-related symptoms without having a direct relationship or experience with any traumatic incident. These effects start gradually and accumulate over time as it makes way into affecting the physical and social health of the worker or person and leaves a negative impact on their work or life in general. compassion fatigue has been described using terms such as secondary traumatic stress, secondary stress reaction, or vicarious trauma. And though there may be tiny bits of differences amongst these terms, They are mostly alike than different as they relate to a sense of stress, fatigue, or dissatisfaction derived from working, listening, rendering help to others, or caregiving. Now, it is also a misconception that compassion fatigue is the same as burnout. And it is not. Burnout is an accumulation of fatigue and exhaustion happening over a certain period. Unlike compassion fatigue that may be sudden and less predictable, Burnout arises as a result of consistent wastage of oneself over a job or series of activities. Stressful conditions are often the cause of burnout, including unmanageable workloads, unrealistic demands, insufficient pay for work, toxic, demanding or abusive managers, inflexible work schedules, and so on. And while compassion fatigue is quite particular to persons working in healing and helping capacities, burnout can happen to anyone in any place of work. Thus, it can be said that compassion fatigue is a more specific condition that can be more easily treated compared to burnout, which can involve a change in job, activities involved, and a shift in the life of the person in general. So who gets compassion fatigue? For me, I'll say anyone, absolutely anyone in the capacity to render care to others. Compassion fatigue is common amongst professionals and caregivers who work in healing and helping capacity and they include the professions that I talked about earlier like social workers and psychologists and nurses and etc. So take therapists, social workers, psychologists and other relevant caregivers for instance. They can develop compassion fatigue when the experiences of their patients harm their daily life. And these include specializing in attending to victims with extreme issues, providing care for patients in dangerous environments, caring for a patient who's involved in the death or illness of a child, being threatened physically or verbally by a patient during therapeutic sessions, Attending to patients suffering from depression, child abuse, sexual abuse, amongst others. Providing care under heavy workload, excessive demands along hours. And dealing with persons suffering from grief, bereavement, or the aftermath of losing a loved one. Nurses often spend more time with patients than any other medical professional in the hospital. And this helps them to develop a close relationship with patients and have a good knowledge of their medical condition. As caregivers, nurses may find themselves in situations where the long hours, care for patients, and demands of the job will result in compassion fatigue. For doctors, nurses, and medical professionals in general, the one factor that may easily lead to compassion fatigue is when they are experiencing a consistent loss of their patients, due to the outbreak, disease, plague, and so on. And the existence of COVID-19 is an example of such. And several reports have it that medical professionals, first responders, and caregivers generally found themselves experiencing compassion fatigue, especially in countries where the sporadic loss of life was reported. A report from the American Bar Association stated that lawyers and attorneys who work on cases dealing with violent crime scenes, fatal accident scenes, or viewing images or videos and attending to reports or trauma victims can make them susceptible to compassion fatigue. Having established the fact that compassion fatigue can be experienced in any worker whose hearts and emotions are liable to be involved in their jobs, here are the signs and symptoms to look out for emotional symptoms anger sadness and irritability reduction in empathy low tolerance for stress detachment from surroundings or our physical or emotional experience overwhelming feelings of hopelessness helplessness powerlessness when listening to the suffering of others emotional psychological or physical feelings of numbness exhaustion and burnout, hypersensitivity or insensitivity to stories heard, events watched, and experienced, severe or excessive mood swings, pessimism, being cynical and conceiving negative thoughts, anxiety and depression, difficulty in sleeping or experiencing nightmares, tension and agitation, feeling contempt, poor job satisfaction, loss of hope and meaning in life, jumpiness, and feelings of being on the edge or of being trapped. There are also cognitive symptoms and behavioral symptoms. And these include difficulty and in concentration, decision making and focus, Reduction in personal and occupational efficiency or efficacy or accomplishment. Engaging in thoughts of self-blame or self-doubt. Experiencing a change in the meaning of life, belief system, and opinions in life. Self-isolation and withdrawal. Conflicts and relationships. Reduced pleasure in activities that were enjoyable and satisfactory poor coping mechanisms, and engaging in activities such as self-medication and increase in substance usage, secretive, addictive, or overuse occurring in alcoholism, drug addiction, workaholism, or gambling addictions, neglected friendships or relationships, loss of self-worth and emotional modulation, impairment in behavior and judgment, and inability to separate personal and professional life. And there are also physical symptoms, and this includes nausea, dizziness, headaches, fatigue, exhaustion, digestive issues, changes in appetite, and weight loss. Now, if you're listening and you're contemplating whether you or someone around you is experiencing compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, secondary trauma or burnout, here are some questions that you can pose yourself or to the person. Has your ability to function or perform productively been altered or interfered with? Are you experiencing routine feelings of boredom and disgust? Do you become frustrated or irritated easily? Do you wake up tired in the morning and struggle to go to work? Do you feel like your job has less meaning and impact than previously? Are you losing compassion for clients, patients, or people in general? Do you feel like you're working hard yet accomplishing little? Are you experiencing unusual weakness, illness, aches, and pains? Do you get tired or exhausted easily at work? Are the happenings or situations you're experiencing normally starting to seem abnormal or traumatic? And are you constantly distracted and experiencing a lack of focus at work? These questions can help you to figure out if you're experiencing compassion fatigue and get help. So in the next segment, I'm going to talk about how compassion fatigue can be prevented. Today's episode is brought to you by Ivy Elite Training. Are you looking for low-cost professional development workshops, topics like emotional intelligence, diversity and inclusion, and more? Then visit www.ivyelitetraining.com. That's www.ivyelitetraining.com. What do you think about everyone being like Mother Teresa? Well, it's said that Mother Teresa understood the concept of compassion fatigue and put the necessary actions in place to prevent it. She made it known in her plan to her superiors that every nun must take one complete year off every four to five years in the line of duty. This would allow each person to heal and recuperate from the effects of being a caregiver. But since not everyone is Mother Teresa and some systems do not accommodate taking as long as a year off to simply recuperate, it's very much advisable for every individual to partake in some activities towards preventing and treating compassionate fatigue. And the first one is to practice self-care. And there's a saying that to love someone else, you need to learn to love yourself first. The act of caring for oneself and involving in activities that are purposeful in order to take care of oneself cannot be overrated. Good self-care involves practices such as getting good sleep, consuming healthy nutrition, engaging in physical exercises, relaxing and building good relationships. The concept of self-care does not need to involve any grand activity. And it could be through journaling, meditation, taking quick breaks at work to refresh yourself, and so on. Since it is an activity tailored towards your personal needs, it should involve healthy and impactful activities that can equally make you happy and keep your mental health in the best state possible. With this, you are protected from getting overwhelmed at work to the extent of developing compassionate fatigue. Next we have making self-compassion your watchword. And it's often easier to be kind to others than to ourselves. Just as you want to give care to others who need it, you should recognize that this could leave you in a position where you also need to be at the receiving end of the care you render. For instance, caregiving while being exposed to the suffering and experiences of others may ignite certain buried or past feelings in you that equally need to be addressed. Also, caregivers can find themselves in situations where they demand so much from demands to the point of perfection. This is a misconception that they need to be less human to be a caregiver. Overly self-demanding to the point of exhaustion will do you and even your patients or clients more harm than good. Normalize getting help when you need it And by speaking to a professional, colleague, or friend, or anyone that can help. Stop trying to carry your burdens alone. And respect the fact that you are human, not a superhero. So be compassionate towards yourself just as you are to others. In every way that you can, cut yourself some slack and enjoy the moments by not becoming overwhelmed by your personal demands of that job. And being part of a community is also very important. Connecting with persons who do the same thing that you do and will understand your feelings when the demand of the job becomes overwhelming is equally another way to tackle compassion fatigue. This can be achieved by choosing to work in places that are warm, accommodating, and devoid of any toxicity whatsoever. Join communities in your workplace, associations, support groups, and other relevant networks that create support and listening ears for members. You can equally build your personal community of trusted and most loved persons in your life whom you can talk to at any point. And they can include colleagues, friends, and so on. Now I want you to think about celebrating the little wins. Caregivers should learn to focus on the positive aspects of their jobs while detaching from the disturbing things going on. Celebrating the little wins when they record with the patients or at the workplace in general will enhance job satisfaction and provide some sort of joy for the workers from their work. Now, the next suggestion I'm going to share is very hard for a lot of people, and that's having a life outside of your workplace. While it's good to be a dedicated employee, it's equally important to have a life outside of your job. Having a great and impactful job is one of the activities necessary to derive joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction in life, but it is by far not the only way. Having a life outside of your work helps you to develop certain hobbies that you wish to develop, build a good home, and another thing that makes your life much better. This would help you to focus on areas of your life once you exit the door of your workplace and learn the concept of detaching from the evils of your job, as the case may be. Another important one is speaking to a professional. Whenever you realize that you might be suffering from compassion fatigue, speak to a professional to get help before it disrupts to other areas of your life. You may be able to find ease to the overwhelming feelings of stress and fatigue that you're experiencing by speaking to a licensed mental health professional or any specialist or professional in that regard. Even without being diagnosed with compassion fatigue, you can make it a point of duty to have a licensed mental health professional where you can go to for sessions occasionally to check up on your mental health and sanity. The same can also be done for your physical health. Now, how can organizational help come into play? Organizations also have a role to play in keeping their employees safe from compassion fatigue. This includes putting necessary policies and procedures in place to prevent the presence of compassion fatigue amongst workers. Managers should ensure that the work environment is encouraging, supportive, and a safe place for all. This will enable workers to voice out their feelings when symptoms of compassion fatigue arise. Also, organizations should promote professional development amongst employees while also encouraging work-life balance. This could help them to progress in their career and not feel stuck and overwhelmed playing the same role. Lastly, for organizations whose workers are caregivers, Awareness should be created about compassion fatigue and other mental health disorders. This will provide information to workers on how to avoid compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma, secondary trauma, or burnout are all kinds of fatigue that bring utmost discomfort to any person. The good news is that these conditions can be mitigated if only we pay close attention to our minds and body. You don't have to wait to be diagnosed to take the right steps. So be vigilant and take care of your mind and body and preserve the satisfaction that you get from your job from being stained with issues of these kinds. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to you tuning in to another episode. Make sure that you've subscribed to this podcast and don't forget to click the like button. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Stay safe and be well.